Well, I'm thrilled to be here this morning and uh, be involved in a church that uh, has a season of Lent where they focus both on prayer and on mission, because that, those are the two things that I am the most passionate about. And, uh, you know, my wife and I went to West Africa to translate the Bible for the Yalunka people. And, you know, you can just kind of picture National Geographic magazine. That's, that's where we lived. And uh, this is the whole Bible in Yalunka. And now uh, they have solar-powered listening devices so that they can hear the entire New Testament in dramatized audio version. And now they have uh, SD chips that can slip into their cell phone to be able to listen to the whole New Testament. They, they, can, they can watch the Jesus film dubbed in Yalunka. Uh, in short, Jesus now speaks Yalunka. So he's fluent. Praise God, right? Okay, well, we do Bible translation because nothing turns gospel into gibberish faster than language barriers. Okay, now I know because like one time I was preaching a sermon and I accidentally preached that Neil Armstrong never went to the moon. And that was a bad Sunday. And then uh, our first translation taught that John the Baptist's soul would leave his body at night and consume the souls of other people, which is totally not true. So, and uh, <clears throat> once I told the people at church in France that my wife was a prostitute. <laughs> I, I never stopped hearing about that. And, and, and one sermon I was going to preach, the third point, it was going to be a beautiful sermon. This was the, the climax the peak of the message I was going to preach, that Jesus sets us free. And instead I preached, Jesus is the thing that peels our heads. I'm hoping for better in this particular sermon here now. Uh, <clears throat> because here my message is for you today. Uh, Jesus loves you. And he trusts you enough to give you an awesome mission. It said to go and make disciples of all nations. And so when he said all nations, he included people like my friend Lai from West Africa. My buddy Lai had problems. Uh, he, he didn't have like first world problems like where he couldn't figure out how to record on his DVR or which remote to use to turn up the volume at any given moment. Uh, he, had, he had real problems. He, he had epilepsy, and all of the witch doctors in the area had treated him with so many demonic treatments that he had become completely demon-possessed, stark raving mad. He, he said, in his own words, if he just saw the human skin, he would try to bite you. Snarling, had, it took four guys to hold him down. And, and <clears throat> he got to the point where he, he said the night people had closed his throat and he couldn't eat or drink for 12 days. And pretty much everybody got to the place where they said, let's just wait for him to stop screaming and finally die. And uh, I was 
one day cleaning out my water tower, and the pastor of the church came, and we'd been preaching on how Jesus gives us power over demons, and, and, and people were starting to come, uh, had started to come to be prayed for and, and healed, uh, and so the, the pastor came and he said, I was at the village three miles that way, and my friend from childhood was laying there demon-possessed. He hasn't eaten in 12 days. When I walked in there, he stopped screaming, and he said, Jesus Christ has come to save me, and so I want to go in your car and go pick him up and bring him to the church. So they went. They took four guys to hold him down in the car, and they brought this guy to a hut right next to the church, and when they put him in there and they prayed for him, he said, you know, I'm all right now. They're like, no way, we're still holding you down. And, and, and he said, no, I'm fine. And they said, well, if you're so good, why don't we bring you some food to eat? And when I got there to pray for him, this guy was shoveling rice into his mouth and drinking for the first time in 12 days. He became a part of the church. He lives in that hut where they brought him to this day. And to celebrate uh, one Sunday, to celebrate his return to health, we went back to his village to go monkey hunting because that, among the Yalunka, that's how we roll. So we went down there, and he gets out of the car, and about 100 people gather around. Last time they saw this guy, he was screaming. He was insane, demon-possessed, trying to bite everybody. He took everybody to hold him down. Now he's in his right mind. He's healthy. He's hunting. Everybody's looking at him thinking, who is this Jesus whose words are so powerful to transform lives? Lai's wife told me here recently, she said, I began following Jesus because he's done a great miracle for me. When I came, I was anxious. I was running around, but today, praise God, we don't go to diviners we don't worship idols. We don't have magic medicines. We content ourselves with God and we have peace. Your mission is to bring good news to the poor. Because Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight, for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. The mission of Jesus has always been all about proclaiming transformational, powerful good news to the poor people of the world. But uh, Jesus called my wife and I to a people that didn't have any scripture. And there was just this one little church. You know, most Americans think that, uh, that surely in this age of the internet, pretty much everyone has heard of Jesus. In this age, like with cell phones, everybody must have already known about Jesus, but it's just not true. There are huge blank places on the map, and we served in one of them. You know, where we lived, there were 70,000 Muslims that spoke that language, and just uh, about 40 Christians and then in the people group over, about 3 million Muslims and only about 20 believers in Christ. 
On the other side, four million Muslims and only about a hundred believers in Christ. And there are almost a billion people that don't even have a New Testament in their language. There are 180 million people that speak about 1,860 languages that don't have any scripture that need the translation project to begin right now. And about half of those languages, 900 languages, also basically don't have any church either. This is the generation where we're going to go and bring the Lord Jesus to these places. But how do you do it? I mean, how does that work, you know, when when you're called to one of these places with no scripture, and and what do you do? Okay, well, in the case of my wife and I going to West Africa, first, we had to learn French. So we went to France, uh, and we spent about a year going from bakery to bakery learning French at great (laughs) personal sacrifice. Okay, and then we went to where these people speak this language, and, and we said, okay, how do you say, what is that? You know, found a French guy who can speak French. How do you say, what is that? And he said, nanse itura. Try that out with me here. Nanse itura. You could probably do this. Okay, so then you go all over the village collecting nouns, right? So you find a dog and you point to it and you say, nanse itura. And they say, bare nanara. You write that down. And you find a house. Well, what's nanse itura? They say, you're like, I hope there's a house in that somewhere. And then two years later, you can preach. Okay, so one old lady in the village was so old that she pretty much couldn't do anything anymore but sit around the village and give us sentences in Yalunka. Okay, and she taught me two of the most important things to a Yalunka grandmother. She taught me the most beautiful Yalunka lullabies. I could sing them for you right now. And then she also taught me, I'm going to beat you till you pee. <laughs> I'm telling you, no missionary can be trusted with this stuff. Okay, so she also taught me how to say, even if Jesus comes down, I'm still going to beat you. Because among the Yalunka, the mu- Muslims there know Jesus is going to come back. And he will protect people from punishment. So every little Yalunka kid, right before they get get the tar beat out of them. They're thinking, who is this Jesus? I hope he comes back quickly. <laughs> so <clears throat> then we, would, we developed a, an alphabet for that language to, to be able to write the language. And we developed literacy materials so that people could learn how to read in that language, kind of like hooked on phonics in Yalunka. And uh, then we, we got a team of people together to, to draft the scripture text. Uh, fr- and they were looking at the French. And then we would compare that to the, to the Greek and the Hebrew, and, and then uh, we would test it out in the community uh, uh, to make sure that it meant what it was supposed to mean. Like uh, one of my friends translated Genesis, and, and at the beginning it starts talking about the, the creeping, crawling animals. He's like translating that with some guys, and he said, okay, these are the animals that are on the ground. They're like on the ground. And, and so, so he went out into the community to test what they had translated. He found out it said, and then God created the handicapped animals. <laughs> right, so you've got to test this stuff. Okay, well, one day I was, uh, I was way down on the border uh, among some people in a new church down on this town on the border, and this one new believer, I said, hey, how is it that you came 
to follow Jesus. And he said, well, one day I was on a trip and this guy came to me with these holy books and he gave me one. He said, I just loved the words of Jesus because he said he came for those who are messed up and not for the righteous. Because he came to make them righteous and put them on God's path. This guy said, but you know, our elders are always saying, don't you join that Jesus group. Jesus' message is a lie. He said, but you know, I got to thinking, these are the same elders my whole life who told me, even if Jesus comes down, I'm still going to beat you. They know that Jesus is coming back to save people from punishment. And if we now have Jesus' book in our language, and we can read it and understand it, that's what did it for me. That's why I'm following Jesus. He said, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the lame. He raised the dead and he saved them. And Muhammad never did. All he got was the book of Luke in his language. And it completely changed his life. Your mission is to transform lives through the power of God's word in their language. Uh, the village of Digilai is a, an ancient place of ancestor worship among the Alunga people. And I went all the way out there uh, to do warthog hunting. But this place has got the village, uh, it's got the tomb of the an most ancient ancestor of the Yalunka people. And it's a place of worship. Everybody who goes to pray at the tomb brings a little round rock. And there's this huge mass of stones there representing every person who's prayed at that tomb. So I went out there warthog hunting and I shot a warthog that day. And so that night, we, we were there in the dark cooking the parts of the warthog that don't keep. Because, I mean, just to set the record straight, um, you don't have to love to eat warthog entrails to be a good missionary, but it sure helps if you do. <clears throat> so we were there, and these guys came over to us, and they said, hey, aren't you those people that have books about God in our language? And, and I said, yeah. And so I got out a box of the book of Genesis and Luke. And it just happened that this was a celebration that we'd shown up on. The night where they celebrate the, the day that Abraham almost sacrificed his son. And they sacrifice a ram in celebration of that moment. It's called Tabaski. And so we opened up Genesis 22 to read to them in their own language the story that they were celebrating. And we got to the part where the angel tells Abraham, through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And I said to him, hey, when it says all nations, do you think it means the Yalunka people too? And they said, it's got to mean us too. And I said, this prophecy was spoken 4,000 years ago. That 
someday your people would be blessed through Jesus, who is the offspring of Abraham that this prophecy talks about. And this story foretells that Jesus would die on the cross for your sins. And today, with the arrival of these books in your language, this prophecy has come true for you here in Digila. And it comes to you on the day that you celebrate the very event of the promise given. I don't know what you did at work this week, but at my job, I fulfill 4,000-year-old prophecy. Huh? Amen. I love my job. Okay, so we slept in the car that night, and I could hear them late, late into the night. They're like reading through the, the book of Genesis. They're talking about it till late. And every time we would come back hunting, they would, they would have more questions. They'd be like, why is it that the law forbids eating rock hyraxes? I'd be like, I don't know. Why is it that if you can't eat something you find dead, why can you sell it to a foreigner? I don't know. Why is it that the, that the Bible doesn't mention the word Muhammad in it at all? It's like, that I know. And, and, and this one guy said, when we read these books, it makes us stop fighting with our family. Said, Amen. So one day, we're sitting there in a, a group of like 80 people listening to the dramatized New Testament and talking about the Word of God. And I had a, a whole box of Scripture sitting on the bumper of my Land Cruiser. And uh, school lets out. And here comes this bunch of students just kind of walking by and this one little kid walks over and he's walking by that box and it catches his eye and he looks down in it first time in his life he's reading something in his own language he's a school kid so he knows how to read and it catches his eye and he reaches over and he grabs one he starts to look at it and you can tell he is intrigued he's never read anything in his language before and he looks around And he starts to kind of walk off real slowly. And he gets about far enough that he knows nobody's going to catch him in a foot race. And he just bolts, runs for it. The first theft of the book of Galatians in Yolunka history. And he's running off and all the other kids see that nobody's chasing him. And they come over to the box. And then the women come over. And they're picking this stuff up and they're looking at it and they're thinking, they're they're looking around like, we can have these And so I'm watching this Yolunka kid running for it, and and I'm thinking, no, Jesus sent us 2,000 years ago to make sure that these people know about his gospel. No child should be so starved for the word of God that he would feel necessary that he must steal it. It's not good enough. We're never going to stop, church. We're never going to stop sending out missionaries like we do in this church. We're never going to stop going overseas and teaching and preaching and translating the Bible until every language, every people has the word of God and the church transforming their people 
Because your mission, church, is to multiply churches where no one has heard. So my friend Califa, he grew up in Sierra Leone. Now Califa, his dad, was just about to send him off to become a Muslim teacher when at the last minute, for unknown reasons, he decided he would send him to a Catholic school for a Western education instead. And he went to this Catholic school, uh, and there, right before class, the priest prayed, bowed his head and prayed in Jesus' name. And Caliphus said, what is this? It was the first time he had ever known that there was such a thing as Jesus. Well, the, the time in Sierra Leone there was really so bad, the poverty was so bad, that Caliph from time to time lost his mind. And uh, in his insanity, he said he heard a voice saying to him, take up the holy book. Over and over and over. Take up the holy book. So he said one day he went to the priest and they gave him a Bible in English. And he would hold on to it. He said that whenever they would take it away from him, he would go insane again. But as long as he had that book, he said he would stay sane. And so he longed to know what in the world was inside that book. But he didn't know because it was in English. It was around this time that the the blood diamond conflict broke out in Sierra Leone. And the rebels would come into all the villages. uh, And, you know, same time, he became a victim of leprosy and he lost one of his legs. And he had to go to the village home during all this chaos. And, and in their village, the rebels hit one day. And they would walk into a village and they would fire off their automatic weapons, AK-47s in the air. And they would catch whoever they could and they would chop off their arm as a terrorist act. This was right across the border from my house. And Califa was there when this happened. And his family fled into the jungle and they couldn't take him with him because he was missing one, the use of one of his legs from leprosy. And he couldn't, couldn't walk. And so they left him there, and he was left to hide and starve in this village. He said that just on the other side of a thicket of grass was where the rebels made their camp, and he could hear them talking from where he was hiding. And he stayed there a long time. He said he would crawl down to get water at the same place, the same watering hole, that the rebels would go for water. He was always just that close to being discovered and killed. And one one day, his cousin came back, sneaked back into the village and helped him hobble and crawl and partially carried him all the way to the border where, if this, the country where we lived. And he finally got across the border. And when he did, and he found the Bible in his own language. He said, when I read for the first time those words in my own language, he said, I don't know about the rest of the Muslim world, but as for me, crazy Califa, this is what I have become. He said he just loved the words of Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. Let me read that for you. It says, Amosoto, ekisir ala hinananankong, denkeleam barakani. Nami fatare tanganna, ala kise nara. Don't you hate it when the preacher uses one of these new translations? Yeah, I hate that. Did you understand that? 
Of course not. You need it in your language. And so do they. Let me read it for you in your language. It says, For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Caliph said, I gained strength. And I persevered in my faith when I found out that it wasn't from human effort that you come to relationship with God. He said, now I've got confidence now. I, I don't even care what will happen in my life. I could lay down right there and I'd be satisfied. That's how Caliph talks about it. Now he's got a family and he plants churches all around the village where he lives. One day he was telling me, he said, Greg, I can't imagine a way to thank you enough for the word of God in my language. He said, for as long as I live, I'll never be able to tell you thanks enough. He said, sometimes I think about it at night. He said, I used to try to read it in English or in French, and I could understand a little bit. But now, when I read it, the meaning just comes straight into my mind. He was starving, a victim of leprosy, about to be killed, this close to dying. And God took him, and he made him a missionary among his own people. Who is this Jesus whose words have such power to transform lives? This God that we serve is powerful enough to use you too. Your mission is to see churches with scripture transforming every language community on earth. And this is the kind of work that Pioneer Bible Translators is doing right now in 62 different languages, in 14 different countries, with, in languages spoken by 26 million people. And our vision is to go from translating the Bible for 62 languages up to 300 languages. And if we can do that, then that will alleviate enough of the burden on, a, on our 30 Bible agency partners that working together, we're going to be able to start every remaining Bible translation need over the next now less than 20 years. In, the, in this next generation of the church, they're going to leave behind them the legacy of a world where everyone, everywhere, can have access to the language, the, the New Testament at least, in the language they understand best. It's going to be on every phone in the world. iPhone 27S. Yes. And in that day, we're going to have churches with Scripture transforming every language community on earth by 2050. God has given us this mission. It's a mission all over the world. It starts right outside the door, and it goes, in your case, you're reaching people in this community, but I asked for a list of your, your missions. You guys are incredible. Can I just say as a missionary, thank you? for the incredible work that you do. You're, you're working in Pakistan. You have work among refugees and in human trafficking. 
You've got work in Honduras, Germany. You've got work in uh, Cambodia. Next week you're going to hear all about it. You've got people working among uh, uh, students, international students, Pioneer Bible translators. Your work among Pioneer Bible translators is, is translating the Bible for 62 different language communities. Uh, you've got people working in YWAM, Colombia, Ireland, in Kenya. You've got mercy ships that cross the world. I mean, you've got Guatemala, Asia. Let me just say thank you. It's incredible. I mean, it's called First United Methodist Church of Carrollton, but the spiritual footprint lands all over the world. And when you participate in the missions program of this church, God takes your resources and he, and he transforms lives and he works miracles all over the world. You have so much to be proud of in this church, and I thank you for that. So what are you going to do? What commitment will you make to the Lord this week during Missions Week and during Lent? Hey, maybe God is calling you to prayer to pray more fervently for your missions. And you're going to have opportunities this week to really engage at that level and really specifically pray for your mission work. And I want to really encourage you to renew your focus on prayer during this time of Lent and during this mission season. But um, some of you are going to be called by God during this week to go on a short-term mission trip. I was talking to a couple of you that have already been on four or five trips and this church, I read on the website, has a, a goal that everyone would participate. And maybe God is calling you right now to get engaged in one of the short-term mission trips. And, and you know, I was blown away. 70% of you have gone on a missions trip. But maybe God is calling you to actually uh, sell all your possessions and go overseas as a missionary. What if... During this season of Lent, instead of giving something up for Lent, you gave yourself. What would that be like if you gave over all of your possessions to the Lord Jesus? You gave over every part of your heart, every part of your life. and You didn't hold any part back, but you gave yourself to him. And you committed to never, never take that gift back. I mean, that would be a new thing in, in our lives, wouldn't it? What if you never said no to God again? If you're being called into missions, I'd like to hear about that sometime today. And uh, <clears throat> some of you are saying, look, I love the Lord, but that is just not who I am. I am not the guy that you send to a war-torn tropical malarial zone to learn other languages and preach the gospel in those languages. That's just not what I do. That's not who I am. And if so, then God has a very special part for you to play in this work. Because, you know, we missionaries, that's like our favorite thing. We love to go to war-torn tropical malarial zones and preach the gospel in languages that no one's ever heard of. That's our thing. But there's something you could do that a missionary could never do. You can fund the mission. It's a very, very important part. All of these different places, you can see them on the map back there, these different missionaries, 
You are the ones making those missions happen. You are the ones accomplishing all of those things around the world. I just want to invite you during this week to reflect on what it is that God is calling you to do. Our mission is to bring good news to the poor. Our mission is to multiply the church where no one has heard. Our mission is to transform lives through the power of God's word in their language, in every language, in every city. God has given this mission to us. What will you do? Let's close this time of the message in prayer, in preparation for the invitation. Lord, we just bless your name. We invite you now to come to this place and fill our hearts. We invite you to call some of us to pray and some of us to go short term and some of us to go long term with our whole lives. And Lord, we invite some of us, Lord, for you to call some of us to give, but all of us to accomplish the mission as we work together. In your precious name we pray it. Amen.